0: You're listening to the Harris Beach Podcast, a show that explores evolving issues in the law and how they shape organizations, the way business is conducted, and how we live and work. The information provided in this episode does not and is not intended to constitute legal advice. Instead, all information, content, and materials are for general informational purposes only. Thanks for listening. Here's today's host. Hello, my name is Brian Carnavalli from Harris Beach and I'm your host for today's episode where we'll cover a range of issues related to the business of casino gaming and sports wagering on both a national and regional scale. I'm joined today by Carl Slate, leader of the Harris Beach Racing and Gaming Industry Team. Carl, thanks so much for joining us today. Great to be here, Brian. Why don't you start by telling us a little bit about your personal and professional background in the area, your experience as as former executive director of the New York State Ethics Commission and assistant deputy attorney general.
1: Sure. I've been admitted to practice law since 1990, which seems like a long time now. I was... In law enforcement, when I first started out my legal career and worked in the district attorney's office as well as a deputy inspector general for the state of New York and in the organized crime task force and capital homicides and significant matters, that training was very helpful in terms of entering a highly regulated area and complex area like racing and gaming. I also worked in the state inspector general's office, which is essentially internal affairs for the state of New York, which looks at fraud, corruption, and abuse involving state agencies. And in 2001, I was asked by the governor to be the executive director of the State Ethics Commission. I did that for six years until 2007 when I left to join Harris Beach and found the government compliance and investigation practice group, uh, as well as the gaming and racing industry team.
0: It's great background. And when you formed that team, the racing and gaming team specifically, what was the problem that you were trying to solve for clients? Was there a heavy demand, large client base? What sort of spurred the formation of that team? Well, I was
1: watching the evolution of uh, racing and gaming in New York. At that time, the Naira franchise was expiring, and there was um, you know, some bidding going on to see who was going to run the racing franchise in New York for the next 20 or 25 years. There was also the evolution of video lottery terminals in race tracks, and that is a revenue stream for uh, the racing industry, and it's a it's a close cousin to slot machines, and then 2013, the Constitutional Amendment passed, uh, where New York State can now have up to seven uh, commercial casinos throughout the state. So there's been an evolution there. It's a highly regulated industry. You know, In our background and understanding of uh, government compliance, the state government, and this particular issue, I thought, made us well suited to enter and help clients and individuals in this space.
0: No question. It's a fascinating space. There's a lot of innovation, a lot of evolution, as as you mentioned. So how have you seen the sports betting landscape evolve in the last 12 months, 24 months?
1: Well, the the sports betting space was very static for decades because of the law that only allowed sports betting in the state of Nevada. But because of litigation, it started in the state of New Jersey. Originally, it was the Christie versus the NCAA case, and a companion case that was brought by the Monmouth Racetrack. Folks, it ultimately went to the the question of whether or not um, PASPA, as it's called, was constitutional. Went to the Supreme Court in a seven to two decision in 2013. The Supreme Court said that PASPA violated the anti-commandeering powers under the Tenth Amendment of the U.S. Constitution, and that really opened the floodgates for sports wagering outside of Nevada. And uh, its gaming is typically regulated at the state level, so. Now you have states trying to figure out how they can enter the sports gaming industry, how they can regulate that, uh, what kind of a revenue driver is it. So there's a tremendous amount of issues that um, uh, are are coming to the states, and in New York in particular.
0: And New York legalized sports wagering this summer.
1: Yeah, New York uh, passed in 2013 the state constitutional amendment to allow like casino gambling, and up to seven. Uh, commercial casinos. There are now four licensed commercial casinos in New York State, and the, what the state has done is pass regulations through the state gaming commission to allow sports betting at those four commercial casinos. There's an open question of whether or not sports betting can go beyond that, and if it can, how can it do it legally? And that's you know one of the many issues that you know our firm is helping clients with now.
0: Where are we on a national scale in terms of state by state? adoption of sports betting it's gaining but it's not completely widespread
1: yeah it's gaining quickly and uh if you look at for example you know the northeast corridor certainly new jersey because they were at the epicenter of the litigation were first out of the box in terms of being a state other than nevada that um, was allowing sports betting there's other states you know that are trying to do it and they're doing it quickly because they're all in a race to generate revenue at the same time Making sure that sports betting has the integrity that it needs so that folks are confident in the, you know, not only in the contest itself, but the back room of uh, managing those bets and things is, is something that well, a lot of casinos outside of Nevada have not dealt with before. So they're partnering with, you know, other companies to do that and do it efficiently and properly
0: fantasy sports continue to grow at a wild pace led by FanDuel, DraftKings that's even transitioning from fantasy into mainstream sports betting how they started to move into brick and mortar casinos well I think the interesting
1: thing about fantasy sports particularly you know FanDuel and DraftKings you know they were industry leaders and are industry leaders in that particular area and keep in mind that those companies came to the fore at a time when sports betting as a general proposition, you know, it was limited to Nevada. So it allowed customers who were interested in in betting on sports to, you know, assemble a team of individuals and and bet those. But now you have this situation where sports betting is becoming legal in more and more states. So you're seeing the DraftKings in the sports or fan duels of the world, partner with commercial casinos and try to be their backroom in terms of hosting some of those sports betting contests, while at the same time maintaining their original game plan, which was fantasy sports, which is still obviously very, very popular.
0: I was recently at DeLago Casino, and they have a DraftKings sports book. The advantage that DeLago derives from partnering with DraftKings in that sense is, is the infrastructure that
1: DraftKings provides? Well, the infrastructure and, you know, the list of customers, I would presume. So, you know, the sharing and, uh, of those kinds of data points and information between brick-and-mortar casinos and, you know, fantasy sports companies, I think, is probably a win-win for both.
0: It's transitioned to, uh, to some of the New York State-specific topics that you had referenced earlier. Certainly the state has seen a lot of change over the last few years talked a little bit about the upstate casinos that that have sports wagering. Give us the full landscape. How are those upstate casinos performing? What's next for downstate casinos? Just give us an overall lay of the land in in New York State from a a wagering standpoint.
1: Yeah, I think think it's a fascinating topic. As I mentioned before, in 2013, the state constitutional amendment passed that allowed up to seven commercial casinos to be sited in New York. And these are different than, for example, Native American casinos like uh, Turning Stone in Oneida. So four Four of those licenses have been granted by the state so those are all upstate which has you have three remaining the four commercial casinos I think are still working through being a casino I think the the state gaming commission is still working through being a regulator there this is a new industry for everyone so i think sports betting for example is going to help those casinos you know moving forward the fascinating question is there's three licenses left and the state gaming commission recently ordered a study which we expect to be out in the spring of 2020 uh, that'll speak to the issue of increasing the number of casinos you know up to three in the greater new york city region
0: I'm glad you brought up that study. I was going to pose a question to that effect. There was a story in mid-October saying that there would be a delay uh, publishing those results, actually even commissioning the survey in general. What impact would a delay like that have on those potential legislative changes? Well,
1: the legislation as it stands now with respect to the existing commercial casinos specifically states that in order to Uh, move forward with licensing of downstate casinos, uh, new legislation has to be passed. So it's a cart and horse proposition because presumably the legislature would want to see and evaluate the findings of an independent study before moving forward with legislation. In this year, for the first time, the state legislative session is not going to extend, at least by calendar, to June. It can always be extended by the leaders, but it's expected that it will end in early May, which allows the state officials running for re-election or those who are in primaries in June, you know, to get home and and campaign for re-election or if they are in contested primaries. So the timing is such that this study is going to come out in the spring. The session is going to end presumably in the spring. It'll be very interesting to see what the governor's position is on it. Presumably, it could be something he could mention in the State of the State address in January of 2020, Uh, and it's certainly an issue that we'll be following closely here at Harris Beach.
0: It's been reported that uh, New Jersey took in almost $40 million in sports betting revenue in September, while New York took in just a little over $2 million. We know that New Jersey allows its casinos to accept mobile wagers. New York, as of yet, does not. Is that an indication that mobile betting is a game changer for New York and any state that can offer it?
1: Yeah, I think mobile uh, wagering is a game changer, uh, absolutely, In sports betting or any other kind of betting. You know, horse racing, for example, Naira has Naira bets where you can wager and bet on horse racing as long as you're within the state boundaries on your phone. You have to assume that sports betting uh, with a mobile application, which is the preferred way to bet by most people these days, um, would do very, very
0: well. So what are those obstacles? Is, is it all connected to the study, to what we learn from from that? I mean, what, what will spur the state gaming commission to make that consideration?
1: Well there's a couple of issues. One first and foremost is legal. As I mentioned before, sports betting is permitted at the brick and mortar casinos because casino gambling is permitted under the state constitution. So you can, you know, kind of easily and intellectually fold that concept into betting at a casino on sports. If you get away from the brick and mortar aspect of that and you try to do that on a mobile app, or if you get away from the brick and mortar aspect of it and partner with some other provider, are you offending the Constitution? And I think that's something that the governor hinted to uh, last year, and I think he wants to be sure that in fact, you know, whatever goes forward, it passes constitutional muster. So I think there's, you know, there's certainly that legal aspect of it that's the the first part of it. The other thing is you can't cross state lines, so you have to be uh, sensitive to that. And it's one of these areas where technology and the law meet, and usually technology is far and away ahead of the law. So you have those particular issues that you know have to be worked through.
0: Carl, that's uh, an outstanding overview. It's a fast-moving, innovative space. Anything that we that we missed? Any, any questions you wanted to address that we didn't touch on?
1: If we had another couple of hours, we could talk about a variety of other things, Brian. But I think that this is a nice overview and we'd be glad to do this again sometime in the future.
0: Fantastic. We thank Carl again for joining. And for more information, including how to get in touch with Carl, visit www.harrisbeach.com slash racing and gaming. Thanks for listening to the Harris Beach podcast. Be sure to visit harrisbeach.com to join the conversation and access show notes. Please rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcast.